0: Well, good morning, church. On this uh, last Sunday of February, it's good to be here. I'm seeing more and more people come back. We're glad for that. We're glad for the live stream option for those who uh, still feel as if they need to be very careful. We're glad you're here. But let me make a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, regarding just housekeeping um Next weekend, we've already heard, announced, but is our Global Impact Conference, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it is a high mark for our church. This year, it's been COVID impacted, in and we usually have 20 to 25 missionary families. This year, we have nine. Uh, we're not having any food, much to my sorrow and deep dismay. I love to eat, and the food is always so good. Uh, but we're still going to have a Friday night meeting, and we're going to hear from our speaker that you'll be very encouraged with, a man named Rashid, and he'll be speaking in the worship center 6.30. We'll have a celebration, worship at 6.30 Friday. Then Saturday morning we'll meet again for a time of... of a, information gathering and then we'll go to our our small group breakout sessions which is so advantageous and that's gonna happen from nine thirty to eleven thirty and then of course next Sunday the Lord's Day worship services. And the children this year are going to be studying I think Mexico City, a city of nine million people, and how the gospel can go out in Mexico. City. So that'll be next week. So make every effort to be here. It'll be worth your time. The second thing is this is that as we go through the COVID experience uh, if you are like everybody else I know, with few exceptions, you're really ready to get rid of the face mask. I talked to somebody the other day and said, you know, I kind of like the face mask. I, I don't think I'm ever going to quit. And I thought, you're weird. I don't want to spend too much time with you. So, um, so we, we're ready to get rid of the face mask. But understand, we're under the, a local ordinance that says we have to wear a face mask. So even if you have been inoculated, We're asking you to wear your face mask. Even if you transported your body in here this morning from another universe and there's no COVID in your universe, please, if if you've done that, please wear a face mask, okay? I wasn't serious about that, but I think you get my point. So we are in the book of 2 Samuel excuse me, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we're dealing with the issue of uh, convictional courage or how to develop sea legs, how to live for the Lord in a topsy-turvy world. Paul has called Timothy to a very difficult task to be the leader of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus a cosmopolitan city of intellectual growth of of economic prosperity, of polytheism, with everything under the sun. And yet he's called to represent the singular truth that's found in Jesus Christ. And so he's writing to encourage this young man to be strong in the faith and how to develop convictional courage in what he is about. And so uh, last week we dealt with chapter 1, verse 13, primarily that says, this followed the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So there's a pattern of sound words, the apostolic message, the the gospel message. There's a pattern of sound words. You build your life around revelation. We love words. We love definitions. We love content because this is the word of God. So follow the pattern of sound words you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then the next verse, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So uh, by the Holy Spirit guard the good deposit, the beautiful deposit, the glorious deposit, the, the handsome deposit that has been entrusted to you. Timothy, it is a trust, and you'll give an account because you've been entrusted with this gospel of grace and also your life and your legacy. It's a, it's a glorious trust, and you can only guard it by the Holy Spirit. I so hear that. So we guard it by the Holy Spirit. So a couple of issues. First of all, who is the Holy Spirit? There's a little confession of faith that's in your worship guide called the New City Catechism, question 38. What do we believe? about the Holy Spirit answer that he is God co-eternal with the Father and the Son and that God grants him irrevocably to all who believe so we're Trinitarian we believe that before time began there was a God Father Son and Holy Spirit and, and this triune God who glorious in all of his wonders uncreated being eternal God in the fullness of time, became a man, and he revealed himself as Jesus Christ. And he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. And he ascended to heaven. And when he did that, he purchased the right to have the Holy Spirit poured out on his church. And so you back up and you say, well, well, well what does the Holy Spirit do? And Let me mention three things. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life and empowers us for service. The Holy Spirit empowers us for kingdom-mindedness and kingdom advancement. He empowers us. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is, is the Holy Spirit produces the life of Jesus in us. The end result of our salvation is to be like Jesus. And so in Galatians 5, there is a composite of what it means to be like Jesus. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. So he takes our unique personality, and he fashions those qualities in our lives. He builds the reality of Christ in us. And the third thing he does is that the Holy Spirit comforts us, convicts us of sin, and turns the spotlight on Jesus. So people who claim to be followers of Jesus, if they are involved in ongoing, unrepentant sin, should be miserable. Miserable, because you have received the Holy Spirit when you believe. This given, the confession says, irrevocably. It's given to you. But if you're in ongoing, unrepentant sin, there should be a sense of disdain and sorrow in your heart. So if you claim to be a Christian, you're involved in open, unrepentant sin, and it doesn't bother you, you should really check if you know the Lord. You should go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, do, do I really know you? So he turns to, he comforts, convicts, and turns the spotlight on Jesus. Listen to John chapter sixteen. Jesus says this. He says, "But I," he says, "Right now you have sorrow. Um, but I, I now I am going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask where are you going. But because I have said these things, you have sorrow. <laughs> sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is." To your advantage. It's to your advantage, disciples, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you and When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, on the cross, Jesus purchased the forgiveness of sin and purchased the right to pour out the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's to your advantage that I'm going away. Then he says this, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and disclose it or declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He turns the spotlight on Jesus. The supremacy, the glory, the greatness of Christ. So that's what he does. Now, make a distinction here. So the Holy Spirit is... He he dwells in his people universally, irrevocably given, irrevocably given. When you believed in Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were given the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, 1 John 2 says you were anointed with the Spirit. But, But hear this. But the empowering, the energy of the Holy Spirit admits to degrees. Now, let me explain that. It admits to degrees in this regard. Me, this is one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. It's Ephesians 4, verse 30. In the context, Paul has said, he says, I say to you believers, put away falsehood and speak truth to one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. In other words, don't be known as an angry person. Yeah, you get upset about things, and sometimes it's justified. But that's not a life pattern. Because if you do that, you give the an opportunity to the devil. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him work, do honest labor with his hands so that he can give something to people who really are in need. In other words, if, if you were a, a thief in your background and you became a believer in Jesus, one thing that should mark you is a desire to care for people who need help. And verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So you do these things. And then he says this. This is amazing to me. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, you step back and say, I, you believers, can grieve the Spirit of God. We can grieve quench Him. We, we can limit His work. We can blunt His work in our lives. So, so, so He goes on and says, the next verse says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and clamor and be kind to one another. In other words, listen to me. Every day either I am calling forth come Holy Spirit as I blow into a white hot flame the first part of this chapter in 2 Timothy as I blow into a white hot flame my gift or because of my disobedience my lethargy, my lack of glory in Christ, I am grieving the Holy Spirit. I, don't, I don't know that, that, that absolutely blows my mind that individual believers can either call forth the power or grieve the power of the Holy Spirit. So th- th- that's, that's, that's a distinction that we want to make. So now he says... Guard this good deposit, this beautiful deposit that has been entrusted to you. Verse 12, he says, God will guard you. And now he turns around to verse 14 and says, Now you guard. Same word. The word for guard means to zealously watch over. It means to give particular attention to. It means to be very careful. We get the word phalanx from this same greek word which means to guard now in in war this is developed in the in the greco-roman world a phalanx was a a square of soldiers who stood shoulder to shoulder with shields up as they fought the Oncoming enemy, it was just a square, and they put the most precious possessions in the middle of the square to protect. The British, if you've ever studied British history, the British perfected this in the 1800s and they developed the, the, what was called the British square. They would stand shoulder to shoulder, see here? People in front of you, and, and they would have this square. We get the word phalanx from the Greek word "guard. So so Paul is saying here, Timothy, you guard like a diligent soldier would in a battle square that which has been entrusted to you. Listen, the gospel, if you're a believer, is a sacred trust. Your life, your ministry, your calling, your legacy, a sacred trust. And so we we live with a sense of, of calling. A few examples. If you're going water skiing with a friend and she has recently been engaged and she has her engagement ring on her finger and she hasn't had it sized she thinks it may be a little loose and so she says "Uh, I've got this brand new engagement ring could you as my friend I'm going to entrust it to you while I water ski so it won't fall off and I lose it and you say absolutely so you're at the boat landing you take it and you throw it up on the bank he said, I'm sure it will be here when we get back. Well, that's not guarding it. That's not guarding it. Or let's say that you're working at a hospital and you're part of the group that checks out mothers who've just had their babies and you, you bring a newborn beautiful baby out and the mother is holding it in her hands and, and the car pulls up and you help The mother get in, and then you say, well, let me put the baby in the car seat. And she says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to hold my baby as we drive to Columbia to go home. And you say, you can't do that. If there's a minor bump, you could kill your baby. That's why we have car seats. That's not entrusting anything. That, That is being cavalier about it. You wouldn't let her leave. You'd call it security. You can't do this. If... And uncle died and left you a van Gogh worth six, seven million dollars. And it was delivered to you by armed guard and it's in this box, and you, they say, this is a Van Gogh. It's worth six to seven, maybe eight million dollars. And you say, wow, I need to take it to an art auction and get five to eight to ten million dollars for it. But until I'm able to go to the art auction, I'm just going to lay it up here on the porch against, the, against, against my, my sofa on the front porch, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave it here unguarded. And they said, that's not entrusting it. That that's being cavalier. See, that trust the gospel has been entrusted to you, so you guard it. So, of course, it's a different word because it's in Hebrew, but Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So you, 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 you guard it. You watch it over it. You're, you're very careful, so you're, you guard it. So from this point forward in the worship of God, there's an outline, but I'm going to depart from it because I, I was dealing with this passage and I'm and in 2 Timothy. If you look at 2 an outline, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 through 14, for example, is called Boldness and Courage in Christian Living. Then there's a break. And then chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 is Boldness in Christian Living, part 2. So there's this little paragraph here, and I thought, well, maybe I'll just mention it, but the more I've studied the more I thought, no, it's vitally important. And it's a passage that you, you can kind of blow through and not think through, but I also think through it this morning. And let me give you my thesis. My thesis is this, that if I'm going to have bold courage and go strong, I've got to understand what it means to be like a man in this passage and to have people in my life that are like a man in this passage named Onesiphorus. So just listen to this passage. Paul, again, he's in Rome. He's chained between two guards. He's been deserted by many people. He's struggling. He's hurting. He's about to die, he thinks, and he is. He's about to die, and this is what he says. He says, you, Timothy, are aware "...that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes." That's all he says, two guys that just departed. They just left. They didn't stand by the gospel. Verse 16, "...may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains." But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So he says, even though Onesiphorus is a man who loves the gospel, it's only by grace he's going to be saved. May the Lord grant mercy to him on that day. But but before he says that, he says some incredible things about Onesiphorus, and I'm going to mention three things he says about Onesiphorus that I, I want to be true about us. First, the first thing he says about Onesiphorus is this. He often refreshed me. I love the adverb often. He often refreshed me. To, re- to refresh means to give breathing space. It means to cheer up. It means to revive by fresh air. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. He said, Onesiphorus, and I love the name. Man, if, you, if you were going to have a baby and his name was, was going to be a boy, I'd say, man, I consider Onesiphorus, but it probably won't happen. But I love the name. I love the man. In fact, his, man, his name means to be profitable. To be profitable. So he said, Anesiphorus often refreshed me. And so as soon as I read that, here's where my mind goes. My mind goes, okay, who are the people in my life that are like Anesiphorus? That's not horrible, to think, but really the primary thing I should ask is, to whom am I being an Anesiphorus? Who am I seeking to refresh Who am I seeking to bring fresh air and a fresh perspective? Here's a guy in prison, chained between two guards, and he says, Thanks be to God for this man, Onesiphorus, who often refreshed me. And I I back up and I say, you know, really the, the, the key here is to get outside of yourself and live. So when I was a young Christian, I memorized some verses, and one of them was Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. It's always good to study verses in context. Listen to verse three and four. It Says, "Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility, consider the other man as being better than yourself." So, boom! I said, "Oh man, how, how in the world?" Because I'm selfish, and you're, you're saying, you're saying. Consider the other man as being better than yourself. Don't look at your own adventure. How? How? And then the next verse says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. You go, how? But when you look at it in context, this is where it gets really beautiful. Listen to chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Before that verse, listen. Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, if there's any comfort from love, and there is, if there's any participation in the Holy Spirit, and there is, thanks be to God. And if, then he says, "Make my affection." Is there any? Excuse me, Affection and sympathy. Yes, he says. Then complete my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfishness and iniquity. In other words, he says. You've got to be transfixed, transformed, and cognizant of the gospel of grace before you jump into verse 3. You've got to be aware of that. You've got to get outside of yourself and see the glory of the gospel. Proverbs 17 says this. Verse 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. How do you get a joyful heart? Here's the answer. You get a joyful heart by knowing the gospel of grace. By knowing the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. By knowing his imputed righteousness. By knowing your adoption into the family. By the blood of the cross. That's how you get a joyful heart. I think of Romans 7 where Paul is just Paul's doing this internal look at yourself. And he says, you know, the, the bad things I don't want to do, I so often do. And the good things I want to do, I just don't do. And then he, he cries out in a spirit of, of pain. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he lifts his eyes and he gets outside of himself and he sees the gospel. Listen, there is therefore, chapter 8, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by my flesh could never do rules keeping, I couldn't do it. Cold baths, resolutions, couldn't do it. He did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. How how do you put sin to death? You glory in Jesus. How how do you do the right thing? You you glory in Jesus. So, if you want to be an force, and you should want to be so, you've got to be conquered by the gospel of grace. You've got to feast on the abundance of the goodness of Jesus. Number two. He says about Anisiphorus, he was was not ashamed of my chains. I love this. Not ashamed of my chains. These other guys departed, got tough. Not Anisiphorus. Anisiphorus was not ashamed of my chains. About that. I think Paul says that that he was identifying with the treasure that's found in the gospel of Jesus. He was was identifying with, with who Christ is. He was not ashamed of my chains. This is a little book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves. It's one of his four best books, in my opinion, along with mere Christianity, The Great Divorce, and Letters to Malcolm. But but it's arguable. It's just so many good things. But this is about, he wrote a chapter on friendship, and it's the best thing I've ever read on friendship. I'm just going to read one paragraph. I want you to listen to this. This is C.S. Lewis, who died in sixteen excuse me, 1963, anyway. He says, the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. <laughs> where, the truthful, where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, quote, I see nothing, and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend, close quote. No friendship can truly arise there would be nothing for the friendship to be about sure that friendship has to be about something he says and friendship must be about something even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice those who have nothing can share nothing those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers and I, I just I read a second I thought really to me, that, that's unarguable, that, that the church is a laboratory, a breeding ground for friendship as we stand shoulder to shoulder in battle squares for the glory of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom in our neighborhoods and in our nations, and for the coming generations and a legacy of grace and diligence and kindness. See, so friendship has got to be about Something. And if it's about the glory of the gospel of Christ and go it forward in the name of God, then it is a, a wonder to behold. And it's, 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 it's wonderful. So, so, uh, so I was reading that this week. I was reading an article about, about Kylie Jenner, for heaven's sake. And Kylie Jenner is, is a part of the Kardashian crowd. And so this is an article in the New York Daily News two years ago. And it, the headline said, What are you doing with your life? Then went on and said that Kylie Jenner, as a 19-year-old then, was worth an estimated 900 million dollars. 800 million, it because of her cosmetics line. And so, just said that by the age of 21, she would definitely be a the first ever billionaire before the age of 21. And just Kylie Jenner, I was wow. And and I realized that she's trading on the immorality of her sister. The whole thing got started. And then the, the, the Kardashian crowd keeping up with the Kardashians and the, the whatever. I've never seen the show, so don't think too ill of me. But um, I think it ran for 13 seasons, for heaven's sake. And and I, I thought about, I thought about the, 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 the sorrow of trying to be a friend with somebody in that family because it's only about them. It's only about them. What's your friendship about? It's about me. about me. I thought about even Thanksgiving meal with the Kardashians. I I would not want to do that, kind of honestly. See, friendship has got to be about something that is glorious and wonderful. And That's where we have have, so Winston Churchill. So I just want to go on record saying probably never in the history of preaching has someone quoted the Kardashians and then Winston Churchill. So this, we're making... This is a a groundbreaking history this morning. So you're part of a groundbreaking historical moment. So Winston Churchill, it's 1940, France has fallen. The United States is going to be a year and a half before they're in the war. It's an island nation against the Nazis and their allies, the Japanese and the Italians. And so Churchill makes this statement, I'm going to read one paragraph, makes this statement. It's incredible. It's a call to destiny and purpose. He says the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. He doesn't mix words. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into the broad sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more projected by the lights of perverted science, i.e. the Holocaust. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say, This was their finest hour. I read that. It's a call to destiny and purpose and standing shoulder to shoulder. It's about something. And what I'm saying is that if we're going to be people who have deep friendships and gracious friendships and caring, it's got to be about the gospel of grace as we walk with each other. And so so it's about something. As I walk these halls on Sunday and see these beautiful children, and as I walk the halls of Palmetto Christian Academy Monday to Friday I see these children, and I I see their young lives, and I realize these three- and four-year-olds in 20 years will be leaders it gives me a passion to, to teach the coming generations and to love them and to woo over them and to fast over them. As I, as I, as I, as I see our campus salary staff, so many are here right now, and the way they're trying to reach the college campuses and love people and, and just get in their lives and, and teach them about Jesus, it makes me love and appreciate what they're doing. As, as I see, the, the 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 youth ministries of our churches. I see the childrens. I, I just go, God. This is about something that's much bigger than us. This is about taking the gospel to the neighborhoods and the nations. So that's of course often refreshed, and he was not ashamed of the chains. Not ashamed of the chains. There was a common purpose. I'm gonna give you a couple of illustrations from the Lord of the Rings, the movies. I love I love the books. I love the movies. Um, The 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 trilogy is just phenomenal. But in The Lord of the Rings, there is this unlikely group of people that are part of the Fellowship of the Ring. And there's to accompany or support Frodo in getting rid of the ring and to break the curse of evil on their world. And two of the people that that have been historically horrible enemies was a guy named Legolas who was an elf and Gimli who was a dwarf king the elves and the dwarf kings have been at each other for centuries and centuries and eons and eons but these guys develop a deep friendship, a begrudging friendship because Gimli is just a crusty old character, I love Gimli Legolas is the guy that shot a and arrow and so they're standing shoulder to shoulder and they're fighting a billion orcs and there's just a few of them and they realize this is going to be the end, and it wasn't. That's going to be the end. And as they stand there, Gimli says in his crusty old voice, "I never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf." And Legolas keeps his eyes straight ahead. And he has a slight smile upon his lips, and he says, "What about fighting side by side with a friend?" And then Gimli looks up, and he has this incredible smile on his face. And he says, I I could do that. And what what they're saying is that, you know, we're side by side. Yeah, we have our differences, but we're going forward under a common banner. And see, that's what he's saying here. He says, says, you you were not ashamed of my chains. And then thirdly, he says, you searched for me Eagerly or earnestly, you search for me. Again, that adverb is earnestly or eagerly means you you didn't give up. You were you were zealous. You were eager as you searched for me. You didn't just search for me, but you did it earnestly. You know, Paul's chained. He's beaten down. He's discarded. He's persona non grata, and yet Anessa looks for him. These other two do just this leave, but Anessa looks for him. He searches for him. Have you heard the guy named Paul? Formerly soft tarsus says, where is he? Where can I find him? And he finds him, and he ministers to him. He says, he searched for me earnestly, and he found me. He didn't give up. And I, I read this, and I go, there are people in my life that, quite frankly, maybe, maybe I contacted them, and they, they're not doing well, and I'm, I'm not really searching for them. I'm saying to you right now, as the Holy Spirit lays somebody on your mind, keep searching for them. Keep loving them. Keep pursuing them. There's a guy I know that I love, and I met with him a couple weeks ago. And he's been involved in, in difficult behavior, and it was hard meeting. And I thought, oh, I need to go. I need to go pick him out for pizza and just hang out. I Need to search for him. See, if I'm going to be on an extra force, I don't give up on people. I don't. I search for him. And if, if, I, if I'm to be an force if I'm received from other people who are forces in my life, they pursue me. And I just stopped. I, I wrote down the names of several people that through the years have, have continued to love me in spite of myself. Yeah, they have. They just prayed and loved and cared and served and sometimes corrected and prayed and loved and cared. And they were just that in my life. Being an So So my other illustration is from the Lord of the Rings. It's early in the movies. Frodo, his best friend is Samwise Gamgee. Samwise is known for getting things confused and mixed up. And so Frodo wants to leave his friends because he realizes that the task is ominous and he doesn't want to put them in danger. And so he slips away from them in a little dugout canoe. And he hears noise behind him, and here comes Samwise Gamgee behind him who can't swim. And uh, this is how it goes. Frodo says, go back Sam, I'm going to Mordor alone. And Samwise says, of course you are, Master Frodo, and I'm coming with you. <laughs> hey, alone means different, something different in my dictionary. And, and I, I just thought, that's what it means, brothers, to, to, to be to And then later in the movie, right at the end, Samwise and Frodo are going up Mount Doom to drop the ring in and destroy evil or to limit evil. And, and so they're spent, they're tired, they're ragged. Frodo is deathly sick because he's carried this great burden. And Samwise is cradling him in his arms he says, Master Frodo, do you remember the Shire? Do you remember the strawberries and the milk and the cream? And and Frodo says, Sam, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm so spent, I can't remember. And Samwise says, let's get rid of this thing, the ring. Then he says this, best line of the movies. I can't carry it for you but I can carry you. I can't carry for you, but I can carry you. In other words, I'm there. I'm with you. And I just thought, that's, that's who Onesiphorus was for this man named the Apostle Paul. This man that we admire so much named the Apostle Paul. This man who was an incredible Follower of Jesus by any stretch of the imagination, who was by any understanding at all, was in a despondent place, chained between two guards, facing death, and this dear brother Onesiphorus sought after being be a Thanks be to God for those people who are Onesiphorus for you, but being a Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the The life of this man, we know nothing about him other than this passage and one other verse. Just a guy named Onesiphorus, who was helpful. A man who was a refresher of people. A man who identified with the gospel. A man who sought out Paul at the hazard of maybe his own life, even being arrested. He did it. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you would make us like Onesiphorus. And we thank you that even as we think about this passage today, for men and women who have been like Onesiphorus to us, they brought refreshment. They believed in us and cared for us when nobody else should have or would have. They've walked with us. They've been eager to love us. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving us a purpose to walk shoulder to shoulder with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.